on this episode of the Formation Lap, honoring the 45% of drivers who retired in the Austrian Grand Prix. Tim and I will now cut out 45% of all audio from this cold open, starting now. But please, don't cut out the part where I tell you all about the conspiracy theory about how JFK was actually killed by... What about my mother? Funny. Isn't it funny? I don't care where you put that mango. Look, BT said you like... You know who liked the Cubans? Now back to JFK. But where was Flavio Briatore? Alongside Lando Norris, who was in communication with the lizard people. Have we gotten to the part with Williams? 5G towers. They're the same guy. Because Bernie Ecclestone is paying for him. Cue the tunes. This is the Formation Lab. Welcome, welcome, welcome one, welcome all to the traveling road show known as El Formacion Lap, south of the border. I'm joined by my co-host Tim, who is currently facepalming. What on earth was that? You That was Spanish, Italian, and like three other things mixed in one. You, okay. Look, I mean, I'm not very informed on my foreign languages. What I am informed on, though, is the subject of our podcast, all right, which is the reasoning behind Dr. Disrespect's Twitch ban. So, Tim, um, we were prepared for this, so let's go over the uh, notes, all right? Tim, I'm just seeing a couple blank sheets here. Yeah. There's there's no notes? No. We're going to go cold. There's there's no notes. We're going to go on pure reaction. It's 2020, baby. Okay. Nothing but nothing but chaos. All right. All right. So chaos reigns. So reaction, what are the reasons Dr. Disrespect was banned from Twitch again? Can you remind me? Uh, it's because I can't legally write it down. Uh, but so, so I'm going to go ahead and we, just... There's no reasons? We don't know yet? There's no. nothing? Yeah. It's two weeks. No. So we have to throw the whole podcast out because... Yes. Because there's no, we don't know anything. Yeah, no. Crap. Um, do you just, do you just want to talk about motorsports? Could we? I'd like that. Yeah, let's do that. All right, Formation Lab, which is the only <laughs> podcast that talks about motorsports on the entire internet. Just don't fact check that. All right, so uh, Tim, uh, let's start off with uh, some fantastic, the biggest news out of motorsports. Cue the sounder. It's time for Fernando Watch 2020. Why? I cut what, what? How many? Why? This is what you get for not prepping on Dr. Disrespect. Tim Fernando Alonso. I prepped on Dr. Disrespect. There's nothing out there. It's it's completely baffling. You know what is a solid story that has facts now? Fernando Alonso will be at Renault next year. <sighs> Tim, are you not excited? About, no. I'm not. That means, okay, first and foremost, that means that Renault's dead. Officially, they're gone. They're kaput. They're finished. They could sell enough Fernando Alonso t-shirts, all right, there's to, gonna be, to fuel a small country, all there's right? There's going to be a Kamoa, you know, livery across the back of the car again because they're going to go to him for funding because they're going to realize, oh, no, this is all just completely terrible. I will buy a black and yellow Kamoa hat. Oh, for God's sake. No, that is tight, this... and they have the tightest driver, the most talented driver of a generation, Tim, right here. He is extremely talented at ruining teams. But Renault is already ruined, and they can only get better from here, and that's exactly why they yes. hired Fernando Alonso, because he has the veteran know-how. 
to completely sink the ship. <laughs> Which is already sunk, right? What happens when you when you do, you know, when you sink a sunk ship, it goes right back up to the top, and that's called physics, baby. What's dead can never die. Are you going full Game of Thrones right now? What's dead re-undeaded. Ah, we're going zombie. Okay. Yeah, yeah, zombie. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Zombie Cyril Abedabul hired a necromancing Fernando oh, Alonso. God, it, it's just... it. Renault could have been saved. But, they, yeah, it, it, they decided to go the other route, which was, you know, let's just light it all in more fire. Let's pour gasoline on the fire. But, yes, it was rumored over the weekend, uh, Cyril Abitable, uh had told Renault employees that the driver announcement would come officially tomorrow on Wednesday, July 8th, as we are recording this on Tuesday, July 7th, and that uh, it was someone they'd worked with before. Or as uh, Cyril probably said it, um, because he mumbles everything. He, well, he said 800 employees. Yeah. Um, but that has now been confirmed on Tuesday by sources reporting to the BBC, TheRace.com, Motorsport, and more top-tier publications. And Luke, I put this in the show notes myself. I want to die now. That's it. 2020's taken everything from me. How can you die when Fernando makes you feel so alive? Fernando is undeniably, he is a generational talent. He put, he makes he puts a car well above where it ought to be. There is no reason any Ferrari car Fernando was in should have done as well as it did, but it was because of him. Hey, and what, what car but, needs more help than the Renault? But Luke, he's also the reason the, the car sucked. He goes behind the scenes and politically he poisons the team and destroys it from within. Uh, you know, no, this is just a terrible idea. And if they honestly, when when I heard that Cyril had said this to the employees, I had genuinely hoped that it was Hulkenberg. I'm like, the smartest thing you could do is bring back Hulkenberg at this point. If it's not Botas, which you and I talked about, Botas would have been the smart move. If it's not Botas, then Hulkenberg, surely they won't be this stupid. And no, no, Cyril lived up to it. Yeah, I was going to say, you put it really best the other week when you when you said, basically, if Cyril Abitabul was smart, he would hire Valtteri Botas. And I think it was you or me who then said, which is exactly why he'll hire Fernando Alonso. Yep. Because he's a genius. I, yeah, we called this weeks ago. Ge uh, so. Okay, let's not pump our tires here. Everybody called yeah, this weeks ago. Yeah, I was going to say, ago. this is like the worst kept Everybody secret. asked if if Terrible. Renault would be genius enough to hire Fernando Alonso, but and everybody know, says they're that high-level IQ. They're playing eight-dimensional chess, all right? <laughs> <laughs> the other person that I saw rumored... <laughs> was the worst driver than Fernando Alonso? Carry yes, on. Yes, was Crashdoor Maldonado. <laughs> Pastor had gone hardcore on his social media trying to campaign to be the next Renault driver. It was borderline embarrassing. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Renault 2021. Kick kick Esteban Ocon out, right? Like, I know we want him to have a seat. But like, if you're a fan, you generally want him to have a seat. I shouldn't say we. But fans want him to see him have a seat. But hear me out, all right? Fernando Alonso with a Camoa sponsorship on the wing, going up against Pastor Maldonado with that Venezuela sponsorship on the on oh, the wing. So good. Would that not be the best team of all times? Not from a 
performance standpoint. Oh, hell no. But from an entertainment standpoint, from they, they would be on the wall of shame from day one with the hire. They would have to get their own wall. The wall of Reno. <laughs> because that would be too doggone funny. It, it would be. Except I would also put them on the wall of fame for hiring the best driver ever, Fernando Alonso. No. No. Kim, no, I cannot no, believe. No. I cannot believe. Your negativity. This is a positive day. Is it? It's a positive day. It's a positive week. We had lightning strike this building right here. The lights flickered in and out, and I thought I was going to ascend to heaven to watch Fernando Alonso race from from the heaven itself. Luke, Luke because it was that a it was because, a lightning strike, because, not the rapture. Because that is what heaven is like. Watching Fernando Alonso lap beautifully in the black and yellow car from the skies above. Because it, look, all I'm saying is, is Fernando Alonso the racing equivalent of Jesus Christ? I'm not saying yes, but I'm also saying that I don't personally know his father. Whoa. Or the circumstances surrounding his birth. Oh my God. See, you see this as the second coming. I see this as 2020 continuing to jack with my year. <laughs> this is a 2020 this thing, is, is a 20- and I'm so upset. <laughs> but whatever, it is what it is. Right. We'll find out. It's gonna be there's. He's gonna be in the paddock now, and he'll be. He's just gonna show up, even though it's there's a COVID like kibosh on everybody in the paddock. He's just gonna be there and be like, I'm ready to <laughs> he go. Just, he just I, like walks around. It's like, who let him in? Did you? I thought you brought him. What, has he just been here the whole time? Did he just appear? <laughs> No, uh, it's actually interesting. I hey, saw- hey, you know who else appeared? All right. After we presumed their career was over, after three days or a year, I'm just <laughs> saying the comparisons are there, all right? If, if Fernando Alonso raises back from the F1 dead with stigmata in his hands, I'm not going to... Oh my god! All right, all right. All right. Um, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the acting hat off here and say, yeah, this is a, a the memes aside. This is a silly, silly move for Renault, which is yeah. exactly why it was expected. And it <laughs> also, I've been up but since like can, five a.m. today. Say, We're recording you, this at seven thirty p.m. I'm a little hey. slap happy. I'm also a leader at my local church, so. Uh, I was saying you just you went whole hog into the Jesus <laughs> references. Good lord, um, literally, huh? get it? Um, but I saw another rumor. I did not put this in the rundown, but I saw another rumor getting passed around a lot mm-hmm. on Twitter uh, that, that they mis- were talking about ousting Daniel Ricardo early and letting Fernando run like the last three races of this year. That that would be the dumbest thing of all time. That, but, w- that would be the dumbest thing of all time because Daniel, you want to talk about a driver who underratedly wheels cars is Daniel Ricciardo. Yes. But, because Esteban Ocon is talented, no doubt, but when there's like a four to five place gap between Ocon and Daniel Ricciardo, that should tell you exactly why you need Daniel Ricciardo for the last three races. Exactly. And I mean, I guess they would be banking on a similar result from uh, Fernando, but that doesn't seem I got to be honest either. with you. No, it's a terrible idea. But again, who are we dealing with? So, so it's going to happen. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, but I would just say, yeah, the results from qualifying. I saw this interesting thing, and I think we should just launch right into the weekend because yeah, this is a beautiful spot to do it. it absolutely, because the weekend started and, not quite at practice, but in uh, 
the season started when we had our first drama, and that was absolutely qualifying. So let's hop in there. Yeah, let's let's hop into qualifying. It was an impressive outing for a few teams, depressing for a few others. Um, but I will say it was impressive because for Renault because uh, Esteban Ocon only qualified 14th, and he was it looked to be let's see he was over half a second slower than Daniel Ricardo, and apparently. Ocon couldn't figure out where he was getting better, where uh, Daniel was getting the best of him. But Daniel did make it into Q3 and qualified 10th, uh, where that Renault had no right to be. No, no right to be in did Q10. You, did you see the shade that Renault threw at McLaren? Ooh. On their, on their, on their Twitter, uh, Renault decided to jump in and sit when, uh, and we'll get to this eventually, but there was a McLaren-powered car uh, on the podium. But I'm gonna save that story for later because it was just too good. Uh, and if you haven't watched the race, and you're go listening do that. To this don't podcast, spoil. Here, here's the thing: is you can. I don't care if you spoil your races for the most part with this. Do not spoil this race. Don't do it. Absolutely, no. don't do it. Stop right now. Pause us right now. In fact, I would recommend you listen to this podcast instead of watching a race like France or Sochi. But for now, uh, go watch the real race. Pause us right here. Yep. Right, Welcome back. On. Welcome back. So, um, but Renault decided to throw shade and say, hey, congratulations to McLaren. It's good to see another Renault-powered team up there. And it's just like, you all suck. <laughs> Shut up. You can't say that when the team that buys your engine, um, which, by the way, I should throw out the team that buys your engine that is probably not as recently upgraded as your own, um, is beating you. And not just beating you, they are beating the tar out of you. All They're right. Like bludgeoning you. I have watched MMA fights that are less brutal than the than the beating that you are getting. Yep. Uh the slowest McLaren in qualifying uh went through three tenths of a second faster than Daniel Ricardo in the uh Renault. Do you want to do you want do you want to shift over to McLaren and qualifying, or do you want to shift over to the other qualifying teams? I'm going to shift over to the other qualifying teams. Okay. I think I think in tradition with uh, how with the precedent we've set before, we should start from the back of the grid. Yes. So um, so let's start with the very back team then, Williams, who no surprise they're at the back, but I would say they actually, with all other things being considered, mind you, I would say they had the best day at qualifying, possibly of any of the teams. Williams, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. So, oh. and I would say, um, for his first outing, his maiden outing, Latifi wasn't half bad. He wasn't he, too far off the pace. He was only he was a half a second off the pace. Um, but that being said, that's probably where that car should be. Right. Whereas last year they were averaging about a sec, a full second off the pace. Right. Maybe it, to a second and a half. It's hard to judge because George Russell. Got so much out of that car. All right. George Russell qualified P17, right? P17, yeah. yeah. He banged in a 105-1. So he was, I think, 0. .073 seconds off of getting into Q2, which is insane. And that is a case of him driving the wheels off of a Williams car that is also improved. I'll give it that. But there's no way that Williams car is P17 at this point, right? Um True, but uh, I, well, I was just about, thrilled to see it. Yeah, yeah, and I and I am too, right? It, this made improvements. So it's to me, it's hard to judge where Latifi is, right? Because let's suppose that, you know, maybe George Russell didn't wheel that car, and that is a car that's 073 out of Q2 on car standards alone. Maybe Latifi, you know, bent, like, blew it, right? Right. It's hard to judge because it's it's so remarkably improved. It is remarkably improved. And 
to be honest, I think it's down to the car. I think they called in the guy that uh, saved, I think it's Pat Fry, Mm -hmm. who saved the McLaren, uh, and he's now saving the Williams team. Um, I'm excited by, I was really, really excited by uh, the outcome this weekend with Williams. Um, I was, I was hard. One of the most heartbreaking moments this weekend was seeing George Russell miss out on Q2 because you know how much it would have meant, but it was also bittersweet because again, to know where they've been, right. To know the, the, the doldrums that they've been in the dungeons that they've been in. It's been brutal. So to see him up and see his, to see his swagger back was cool. I think the esports thing kind of gave him a boost of confidence to Mm -hmm. know that he could just lay waste to the rest of the field if he wanted to on talent alone, I think is really fantastic. So he came in with a little bit of extra swagger, his, uh, yeah, his confidence restored a little bit and, did did really well this weekend. I, um, we'll get to the race later, but uh, that was really good to see. Uh, someone, a team actually that we were kind of surprised to see uh, on the in the back was uh, both Alfa Romeos. Yeah, I did not expect um, the Alphas to be that slow. Like it, it just bizarrely slow, honestly. Te- terribly slow, and uh, you know. Giovinazzi uh, out-qualifying Kimi, which is bizarre in and of itself because Kimi kind of wiped the floor with Giovinazzi last year. But, yes, both of them, uh, and 18th and 19th, uh, respectively, just a really weird weekend. Um, They would suffer more later on, but we'll get to that later. Um, And then uh, joining them in uh, going out in Q1 was K-Mags with Haas. Haas continues their slide downhill which is really depressing um, <laughs> as an American team fan. But, uh, but yeah, he got uh, pipped by uh, Roman Grosjean, who uh, actually improved pretty dramatically into Q2, but wasn't enough to – I mean, that Haas car doesn't deserve to be out of Q2. Um, clearly not deserving to be in Q2. No. But, uh, but yeah, no, it, it was pretty brutal. Uh, but that takes us to Q two. Uh, everybody's banging in laps. Let's let's talk right about that border real quick because yep. um, in the elimination zone, Grosjean was at one hundred five nine four, right? Yep. Uh, Magnussen was in a one or one hundred five one six four, and this is what I find interesting: a one hundred five one six four from Magnussen and a one hundred five one six seven from Russell. That Williams might legitimately by the end of the year end up being faster straight up than Haas. So I, I would not be surprised. Uh, and um, specifically we're gonna go, driven but, by George Russell. Correct. But. The one driven by George is the one that we're gonna probably be looking at most of the year because mm-hmm. uh, you know, Latifi was still six tenths. Yeah. Roughly also, off of him. Yeah. But uh let's talk then about Haas, Q two. They finished last in Q two, mm-hmm. uh Romain Groschan. Uh it looks like a, more than a tenth of a second off of Esteban Ocon, which brings us Nicely to Renault. Yes, nicely to Renault. Um, Home of the future savior of racing. I wouldn't say future savior oh of racing. God. He is already no. I'm, I'm, I, <laughs> that that bit is over. The meme is done. Anyway, Renault. Yeah, um, Renault. Um, oh, I, I also think we should probably talk a little bit about uh, some of the guys in Q2 before we get there who barely made it out of Q2. Oh yes, let's. Uh, um, there are two cars. One who didn't make it out of Q two, which was just stunning. Yeah, 
Um, let's let's go. Let's keep going in order. Okay. Do we want to tease this or not? Okay. And I'm leaving all this in. I know this is like behind the scenes. See how the sausage is made here. Um, in this real sausage party that is the formation lab, but. I think I want to let's keep doing let's keep doing Renault and then we'll do the next team and then we can get into that team, right? Okay. Okay, you know what I'm you, you know yep. which team's on? Okay. Yep. All right. So, Renault. Uh let's start Renault. just because yes. we keep going up. Um Renault back end of Q2 but also right into Q1. So, again, it really describes the difference between those two drivers and I I have to think that even though Esteban Ocon um was that far back? I, I I just choose to believe in my heart of hearts that I'll see that improve, and I don't think he'll get P14 very often. I don't think he will either, and I think the thing that we have to set the stage with later is the, the natural stuff about uh, Austria that doesn't get talked about a lot, where some teams do a lot better because their engines can handle yeah. heat and altitude. People, people always look at me weird when I say Austria is one of my favorite tracks, but this is why. There's a certain amount of chaos. It, it's, it legitimately is. It's a super easy circuit to memorize. Very tough to master every lap. Very, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, like you said, Austria induces chaos in terms of it's been it's just stupid hot, and you wouldn't expect it, especially the it last two years. 52 degrees Celsius race day on the track, yeah, which, which is, is 125 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. So it was hot. I will get, I will tell you right now. We raced. It is the Fourth of July here in America, right? We raced in the drag strip over across the river, right? So of course that's how I spent my Fourth of July was working. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you right now, our track temperatures on a pitch black drag strip on the Fourth of July uh, did not reach 125 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, it was it, hotter in Austria than it was in the Midwest, which is unreal. It is absolutely bonkers but it is it's it's the thing where a lot of teams struggle with engine heat so to be to have that as the first race of the year is is a huge uphill mm-hmm. battle plus literally. plus with uh you can't intake air as efficiently because it's so much thinner so you can't you overheat a lot easier too for those of you who aren't sure why engine heat is an even bigger problem in austria the air is what cools it there's none up there none whatsoever so um, but yeah, it's it was kind of a tough one for Ocon to return on. So, but that being said, he was pretty far down. He ju- he pipped, uh, he yeah, pipped five hundredths of a second, uh, Roman Grosjean um, in a Haas. So that's kind of a rough spot to be in. Um, the next slowest uh, was Kvyat, and they beat him by two tenths. Yeah. So it was a lot. Um, but so- but yeah, the other Renault made it into Q three. Yep. Uh, May again six tenths faster, so that is that is the better part of a full second. It, I tell you what, as a guy who enjoys seeing what McLaren is doing and was heartbreaking for the team to see Carlos Sainz move to Ferrari next year, I don't know why I ever doubted Danny Rick, and I don't think I really ever did. But this week again is just a statement to what he can bring out of a car. And if you put him in next year's McLaren, if he can do this to a Renault. So, very happy with that. And it's going to be Mercedes-powered next yeah. year. No disrespect towards Carlos Sainz either. No, but no. that that's an upgrade over Carlos Sainz. I, I think it honestly is. The thing, before we get get too much further, I do think the thing that Carlos Sainz brings to the table is car development. Mm-hmm. Each car he's been in has been demonstrably better than when he got into it. So, the McLaren, 
huge leaps forward. And he moved to Woking. He, you know, was with the engineers every single day. Reno was worse when he left. Yeah. So I, I think, and the the uh, Toro Russell, same thing. His feedback is good. He's he's, an, he's amazing at developing the car, and I think he's going to be a huge asset to Ferrari. Company man, team player. That's 100%. what Carlos Sainz is. And 100%. that's not to say Danny Ricardo isn't, but Danny Ricardo's like 75% there, which is above most of the field. It, Carlos Sainz is 100%. Yep. Yep. So so let's move on to the next team coming up, which is uh, Kvyat and Gasly. Um, solid weekend from them. Yeah. Um, they made it into Q two, which is you know solid mid pack. It's what you expect from them. It's what um, yeah, it, it is what you expect. Now, uh, it wasn't. A, it was kind of a big beating in in Q one, but they were just trying to get out of it. Uh, you know, it's it was a half a second or well four tenths of a second uh, from Gasly to Kvyat, but it was like one. 10th less than that yeah. into uh q2 so they they were there thereabouts they did really well um you know good on them it was a good good showing um i am going to say this though that alpha towery doesn't look as good as i thought it would i don't think so either i think it's the blue i think it is it's too if you went as... matte gray and black but then you won't, might end up looking too much like haas but. Right, but or if you just took a deeper blue, yeah, that's fair. Like a like it's a like a more royal color, but make it deeper, kind of like Alpha uh, Romeos with that yeah. deep red. Um, that blue just looks like garbage. Yeah, it does. Not not a big fan. Um, right. But so, yeah, so then we move up. And to... here's here's the shocker, and I we've we've gone over qualifying quite a bit more in depth than I expected to. But let's let's get to the shocker, and then we'll knock him out, and then we'll get to the shocking into the shocking race itself. The but, shocker. Uh, out, out in Q two by two tenths. Not even close. No, Sebastian Vettel didn't make it. The sp- huh? He didn't even spinala. He just like freaking trash laps. It was womp womp. But the thing is, is that this was the first part where we started to see that the car w- just wasn't there. Yes. Friday he was very happy with it. Saturday, different car. This is where a lot of tinfoil hat theories started coming out that Ferrari was trying to bone Vettel. Yeah. For his comments saying they didn't even offer me. In a press conference on Thursday, I believe, of last week, he said, yeah, Ferrari didn't even offer me anything. There was no talk. Which it I, was just a call saying, hey, hey, yeah, we're done. I don't buy conspiracy theories, but it is a fact that Ferrari did not like those comments. And it is a fact that Ferrari's been known to add, do whatever they want. Yes. So, um, But I, what, one thing I wanted to get at here was Ferrari being – we know didn't make any improvements from last year, right? And the reason I'm not going to say there's any amount of credence to the fact that they're screwing over Vettel because I don't think that's true. Um, but they didn't bring any improvements, but they were still what 0.98 seconds slower. And and here's the thing too is not only were they slow, was uh, Vettel slower? Leclerc, as we move on to uh, Q3. Leclerc was slower. Leclerc barely made it out. Yeah. He was P10, I think, making it out. And he, over the radio, he said, are we safe? And the guy said, yeah, yeah, I think so. We're P10. And he goes, really? That's insane. Yeah, he goes that. Yeah. It, Ferrari, I think, and, and the race kind of show the race kind of goes against this, right? But I'll get to that. Ferrari legitimately built a bleep box, I think, especially in terms of qualifying this year. Yeah. And I think that not really – maybe they didn't build a bleep box. They just copied over a mediocre car from last year, and it became a bleep box because everybody else was like, well, this is a season. We will improve the car because that's what you do in Formula 1. 
But right, it, but they, I think that they were trying, thinking that the entire field wouldn't be as competitive, which and they had I don't a secret... understand that thinking at all, too, because even if you think the entire field isn't going to be competitive, the competitor in you goes, oh, sweet, we can put one over on the competition right now. Yeah, and I think the other thing is Ferrari was involved in a thing over the offseason with the FIA, a secret yes. agreement that they didn't talk about. With all the kerfluffle last year. But they did do something wrong, but Ferrari doesn't have to admit what they did wrong or what the punishment is. Correct. So the funny thing to me is that not only was Ferrari slower, all Ferrari teams were slower. And I, and I, and I like that, but I also don't think, because we all presume that it's the engine, uh, the fuel mapping, right? The mm-hmm. fuel. I don't buy that that's a second. I don't buy that that is a full second per lap, baby. I... I, I don't think know that what kind of do. Not, I think that it's in conjunction with that, sure. But I don't think it's a full second per lap because they were they were being investigated in what? In Mexico last year, right? Yeah. And in Mexico, they didn't have it on because that, that thing was being investigated, right? And they weren't a full second slower. No, but they were slower. They like were slower. A lot slower. So I'm going to say, like, I could feel like maybe three to four tenths you take that fuel mapping thing on, but I don't think it's a full second. I don't know, man. I, I think it might be. I, just, I think it. I think it actually. I just think could be the arrow that they had is just that bad right now. I think it's that too, but I think it's also like they they had no power at all. Yeah, that's and her. so you and, know, and I this think, is but a but power it, circuit too to give you credence. Like yeah. the arrow doesn't really matter as much here as it does anywhere else. And it was every Ferrari powered right. team with different arrows. So let's just go through it real quick. Uh, the teams that were quicker than 2019, uh, Mercedes at three tenths, Alpha Tauri at three tenths, uh, McLaren at four, at almost half a second faster, Renault at almost half a second faster, uh, Williams seven tenths faster than last year, and Racing Point was nine tenths. Yeah, granted they straight up Ra- copied. Ra- the car. I say Racing Point, you can just throw that out because they're not comparable whatsoever. Right, it's not a fair comparison to a development. They just decided to copy the And that's Mercedes. not a knock on Racing Point as a statement. Uh, that's just a fact. It is, th- from scratch, a new car, a right. different car. But the the teams that were slower, Red Bull was nears makes no difference the same time. Yeah, Red Bull was what, like 06? 038. 038. That yep. is, you could gain a tenth from yeah. just a better lap, so but that's fine. Alfa Romeo was a second 1.19 seconds. Which was weird because you didn't really notice it during practice, but I think that's because Alfa Romeo was just kind of there most of last year. And even this year, it was like they're slower, but they're already at the end, you know, the yeah. tail end. So um, Haas was six tenths slower, and Ferrari was almost a full second at nine or point nine two yeah. zero faster or slower. So it's, it's kind of, kind of crazy uh, that they, um, are that are that far off the pace? So I think it's down to that. But uh, we get into Q three. Charles puts it in P seven, which good on him. Mm-hmm. Way to go! Uh, we have uh, Lance Stroll cracking into the top ten for one of the first times I can remember. Well, when you have that car, yeah, he he slots in ninth. Sergio slots that one in sixth. Mm-hmm. That's that was a statement by Sergio. Yep. He had a good weekend. Um, Carlos signs in eighth. Uh, Alex Albon is the slowest of the Red Bulls at fifth. Lando Norris bangs in a P4. 
P4. Way to go, big fella. Insane. And the reason we're covering the qualifying is because the qualifying... right Set the stage. Right. And there is meaty drama in the qualifying, unlike some other qualifying. That's right. Because we're going to get into this. Verstappen with a P3, Hamilton with a P2... And Botas with a P1, but Botas, I think, was on his cooldown lap, no less. Um, it, no, I, so oh, I, I, no, it was on his, it was on his last lap. Uh, it was the last yeah. lap. So Mercedes beforehand had always has an agreement that one car gets a toe and the other doesn't. So he was trying to give Lewis a fast lap where Lewis had given him a fast lap before, which gave him that pole lap. Right. So one hundred two nine previously in a, the session. Correct. So Valtteri was going through, and I. You know, I saw some conspiracy theories that this is kind of a Nico Rosberg situation where he didn't really give Lewis the toe. Um, but what happened was he he misses that the out part part of the uh, of the track, the outside of the curb, and he actually goes off. Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of in the U section. Um, it was turn. Let's see, one, two, one, two, three, four, five. I want to say six. Yeah. No, it's turn seven. It's turn seven because then it's eight nine. But yeah, yeah, he misses turn seven. He misses turn seven and goes off. And Lewis just keeps going. Yeah. And at this point, a yellow flag does come out temporarily until it's seen that, you know, Valtteri can actually hold it and he brings it back. Which, by the way, I wish we could use it without getting in trouble from the FOM. But his, I'm just going lawn mowing, guys. It's fine. <laughs> it was my favorite thing of the weekend. <laughs> I didn't know Mercedes made lawnmowers. Yeah, it's better than what I wanted at home. Uh, so it was That it is was an my... actual quote. That's not Tim goofing off. No, that was actually what he said. That and it was my favorite radio call of the entire of the year. You know what? I'm gonna bag it and say that. Already. Already. Okay. I don't care. I don't care whatever comes next. Um so that was hilarious. But yeah he went off and the yellow Lewis, flag comes out. And right. the yellow flag does come out and Red Bull or, or there is a penalty. So right. Lewis is brought to the stewards and said, you know, oh, you didn't slow down. And they have an onboard camera where it shows, oh, you know, he's giving given conflicting signs, so it's okay. There's additional footage later on. That belongs to, like, the TV. Correct. Yeah. And it shows that Lewis clearly sees that Valtteri's off. Right. Which, by the way, I should add, uh, Red Bull is the one who lodged this complaint because Lewis gets off scot-free, and then the next morning— or, an hour and a half yeah, before race time. An hour and a half before race time. Christian Horner back at it again with the uh, protest, which uh, we haven't hit on the protest, but we'll get on that later. But Christian Horner protests it, and they say, oh, hey, Lewis, you uh, you clearly did because we didn't have access to this 360-degree footage, I think it was, for um, you know TV. And uh, bing, bang, boom, Bob's your uncle. Lewis Hamilton slots down, what was it, two? Three places. Yeah, three places. They yep. said, hey, you know, we have to take safety car stuff seriously. If a yellow flag comes out, you have to respect yep. it. And so they knock him down three places. They give him the minimum, but he does have a few points on his license because of it. Um, so he's knocked down to fifth, and everybody slots up. So Lando Norris starts P3. Max Verstappen starts P2. And it's game on. So it's a very and this all happens within the last hour and so it of of race time. So it gets crazy. Yeah. And and that sets the stage for the race. Tim, we're already thirty over thirty minutes into this. It's okay. This it is a good weekend. This is a meaty weekend. It yeah. really is. There is more, you could spend more time talking about the race than actually watching the race because it was that dense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's go to the race. All right. Um, first things first, again, 
watch the race. Uh, watch it again for all I care because it's fantastic. But it, you come in with this expectation of what's going to happen, right? We think, okay, Lewis Hamilton is wicked fast, even if he is starting P5. I mean, you think just Mercedes is just going to freaking shellac them up and down that mountain. Yeah, and, well, that and you think Lewis Hamilton's going to storm through the field yeah, there's, and take back whatever. Right, so. it, 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 his three-place three grid penalty will be solved with by the second lap. By the time the second lap ends, he'll be through that. Yeah. No problem. So, you know, you think, okay, this is going to be crazy, and... You know, you also think it could be interesting because Max is starting with a different tire strategy. He he played the qualifying game well. He's starting off on mediums instead of the softs. So, you know, you're like, hmm, interesting. Maybe we could see like a an over uh, you know, an overcut from uh, the pit stop perspective. But, you know, things are kind of the stage is really kind of set and you think, okay, here we go. Then it's lights out and Mm -hmm. away we go. And Clean start. Right. It, it started and, clean, which was unreal. And it was clean for the first 10 to 11 laps. And that, that that's what got me was when it started. And you could see Mercedes, I mean, Valtteri, you know, started shellacking people from the moment, it, from the get-go, right? He had something like a second by, like, lap, whatever, two three. or three, yeah. Yeah, lap three, um, he had 1.1 1. 1 seconds. You would be fooled into thinking at the beginning that this was going to be a boring race. Yeah. Very easily, because I don't know about you, I think I we talked about this in the group chat, because I thought at that point this is a boring race, and it really blows. Well, the, I didn't think that initially, and I the reason I didn't was because Lando jumped off and had an insane yeah, start. And that's he was right. hassling mm-hmm. Max from the word go. Right. What he was hassling Max Verstappen, like right there. He was he was trying to get around him in turn three, which is the hairpin. Really, it's the second turn because there's a turn on the on the back stretch. It, yeah. it, but anyway, he was he was hand trying to get around Verstappen in turn three and then again in turn four, right? And Lando had a gutsy weekend. He drove the wheels off the car, not just then, but in other places where we'll talk about. But he that performance right there was to me a statement, not an intentional statement, but a statement to me where it's like, look, just because Daniel Ricardo is coming and he is the name Daniel Ricardo does not mean we are a one two driver situation. All right. Right. Me and Carlos are 1A, 1B, as we would say in the hockey world, right? Where, mm-hmm. like, we have our preferred driver and then we have our other preferred driver. That was a statement right there where it's, Daniel Ricardo may be coming, but I am not the number two driver. I am 1A, 1B, baby. So uh, I was very impressed with Lando to start with, but then things calmed down for what, like eight laps? Because Lando couldn't get around Verstappen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Verstappen, he made things uh, not boring, I think he was like what twelve laps in, maybe thirteen. Uh, I think it was lap twelve because it said uh, he completed eleven laps. So it was lap twelve, and he has an electrics issue, and this becomes kind of a rolling theme. It does. In in the, first off, his issue, people I see people jumping on Honda. It was not a Honda issue. Um, no, his his car stalled out. Right, which you might think, oh, you know, engine, but then it was like you know his his. You know, electrics were off, and then the ABS was off, and then this was off, and then it was like it, everything he did. Every I believe it was every kind of 
change Setting of the made. wheel would restart his car, basically. And he had to bump start. He had to physically yeah, phys- shimmy in the car to bump start it. Yeah. Back to the pits. <laughs> How often do you see one of the most talented drivers in the world in a multi-million dollar, hundred, multi-hundred million dollar car have to start the car the same way you start your freaking 72 Cutlass? Like, <laughs> but, but he had to do that all the way back, and that yeah. started, that set the stage for you. It kind of set the mood. You're like, okay, this might get weird. Because Verstappen, of all people, in a fairly reliable Red Bull, is like... I was expecting him to maybe challenge for a, definitely win. challenge for a podium, but maybe challenge for a win. Yeah, no, you were expecting because he's won the last two years on the trot. Mm-hmm. So I, he was for me the odds on favorite. He never started from pole. Yeah. So you know, I thought he was really going to take it, and then the car fails, and you start to think, right, this is the first race of the year. This is they haven't shaked shaked anything down. Shaken, not only that, shaken, 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 shaken. But not only that, but they haven't had time to repair the same way they would have prepared <laughs> no, before Melbourne. Absolutely not. And the thing is, is that uh, Austria not only is it high, not only is it hot, it also has curbs that are hard and they are brutal. Yeah, and it's you know every year wanna... they change them a little bit too, and they just continue to be brutal, which is what I love about the track. It's uh, it's hey. old school challenging curbs. It is old school. They're big and they're rough, and it's gonna rattle the daylights out of you. And on a really hot day with very thin air, it's gonna really mess with the car's performance, and it's gonna rattle things loose. So people are going over the rumble strips, and bad things are happening. So later on in the race, and I think we'll just kind of get some of these out of the way. Um, things like Daniel Kvyat has a pretty massive rear sus- suspension failure. Yep. Uh, you had uh, uh, Alex. Uh, let's go. Uh, Dan- let's go in order here. Verstappen. Then Ricardo had a. Ricardo had a failure. Yeah, had too. a failure. Had an electric failure. Yeah, electric failure. Uh, Lance Stroll had a failure. Yep. Um, and the the but the Lance Stroll one is the one where Mercedes started to think, uh oh. Right. Because it was an electrics thing. And we'll get back to Mercedes in a second here, but we're going to continue rattling through these. Um, Kevin Magnussen and Romain Groschan both had brakes failures. Um, now, I don't know if that's down to the heat rather than the – because I know yeah. that the brakes failures have kind of plagued the Haas team for years. Yeah. And you wanted to say something about, like, you know, when it happened, you're like, hey, Romain Groschan, blah, blah, blah. But it, that was not his fault. No. Because he was on the brakes, all right, and he started braking just the time everybody else did, but he just – Kept he almost going. launched it through corner three. He almost got air. And Magnuson did the same thing and yeah. figured out that he was still going, and he spun it to make it come to a stop, yep. which hats off to Matt K-Max. That was a good way to get it done. <laughs> I do like me because of K-Mag. He's, he's, he's like – he's talented beyond how crappy Haas is, and he's just like caged in this Haas, <laughs> and it's like, bro, I want better things for you because you are not playing to your level. <laughs> no, you are not. Uh, but it was it was kind of brutal yeah. to see. George Russell had a hard time, too. He DNF'd with a yeah. failure. Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah, Kimi Raikkonen. It, it, well, uh, now that, that was yeah. mostly Alpha, Alpha's fault. The, yeah. t- the wheel wasn't on there, and I yeah. think there might have been like a wheel nut failure because he, he got well into the hot lap. His wheel straight up popped. Yeah, like, it, it, like, it just came who was, off. Who was the driver for Red Bull a few years back in China who the wheels just went... Was that like Mark uh, Webber? That was Toro Rosso. Oh, and was it? That was uh, the guy that walked up and down the Formula E pit lane blaming everybody for his problems. Sebastian Buemi. Oh, yep, it's Sebastian uh, Buemi. That's right. So, yeah, both wheels just boom fell yeah. off. That was a pretty massive It looked like that, but failure. just one of them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was on something on the pit stop because yeah. that it just wasn't 
Yeah. yeah it wasn't so, attached right. But with the failures of the two Mercedes of uh, Lance Troll and George Russell, Mercedes started to key into the fact that there was a pretty bad electric failure that could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and they somehow dialed into exactly what it was and found out that Botas was really in danger and Lewis was pretty bad too. So they kept saying, stay off. The curbs. Right. Because they changed the sausage curbs last year um, to a sensor, but also I think it's a newer, sharper kind of curb. But where the when you hit these curbs, right, if you hit a curb uh, or you imagine like rumble strips on a highway, right? You hit the rumble strips and your car goes, right? And it's to keep you awake. These curbs are doing the same thing, but they're kind of vibrating your car at a frequency that's dangerous, not just to the wing. We saw wings break because of this vibration, but to the other parts of your car, right? Um, They're very much like a rubble strip on a highway. I like that analogy because Mm -hmm. you can go over them and you can actually hear them during the race. But it it was – they're just stupid dangers, which, again, as an old school – as a fan of the track, is – legitimately one of my top three tracks on the circuit. Um, I love that about this track is every time they try and do something, it's brutal. And that is brutal. Even though you don't have sausage curbs, you're still punishing. But anyway, uh, Mercedes goes stay off the curbs, which in Austria, they have two sites where you almost have to use the curbs more than any other, right? That turn three um, is one of the most notoriously tight turns uh on the calendar right Mm -hmm. uh and if you play it in like a sim which by the way f1 2020 drops in like a week and it's been getting like nine and ten out of ten reviews by the way and unless you bought the michael schumacher edition which you can go play right now sir Uh there you go but um that that turn is so notoriously tight and it comes in so you almost have to use it on exit right yeah and then the final turn turn nine or ten is it nine i think it's nine turn nine is like let off the gas but then gun it and you can you go as wide as you can basically because it's the into the front stretch to tell mercedes drivers that you can't use the curbs is practically a death sentence but it's mercedes and they when they got that message they were like 6 or 7 seconds up they could yeah. coast they could coast yeah so and the thing the other thing for me is that I knew you knew that they didn't have many spare parts. No. Because in the first two laps of the race, uh, there was a message to Botas saying, okay, just look after the car. Do not gamble anything. Mm-hmm. You must take care of the car. Which is something to remember when we do a race review next week or when you watch this coming week's... It's a good preview for right. next week because... They still won't have those no, parts. No, they still guys. don't. They're they're they. I don't even think they went home. They're still at the track. I think right now. Yeah, they never left. Yeah, so it's going to be pretty brutal right. on them. For so parts. Mercedes, right? They can coast to victory here, but this is the key here is be is because Mercedes uh, is kind of on the back foot, right? And if I I believe that uh, Bono, my tires was gone, was in effect too because they were on old hard tires. Yeah, you see Alex Albon come up and he is on soft tires remember max verstappen's you know out of the race at this point alex albon he smells blood in the water and there were some things that happened between then and now that we'll get to but this is this is like the main story right alex albon smells blood in the water and he starts to kind of you can see him fire up through the field right he, he gets around um who was that was that uh it was one of the pink mercedes was it uh it was Stroll. Yeah, it was Stroll. Um, he gets through. Uh, no, it was Perez. Perez. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was because Perez. he was he was right up with 
Carlos uh, signs, right? And they were trying to hassle for hire. So right. Um, so you can see him. He goes through Perez, or yeah, he goes through Perez through Science. He gets all the way up to Hamilton, right? And Hamilton's sitting P two, right? And, and he's not that far off of Botas at this point. Yeah. And you start going. Alex Albon is going to get the win today, and I I think he he had, he had incredible it incredible pace. And the he, thing is, I think is he that, had it. He had the win. Yes, it was yeah. in the bag, and his, the pace was good. And I think you and I should debate this a little bit okay. as to whose fault it was, um, because through well, the turn, let's get the let's say the let's get to the event first. And right, then we can debate. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so turn so, four, right? Turn, going up to turn four, Lewis has on the entry to turn four. He has the inside line. He's gonna. It's clear he's gonna keep it. Albon has enough pace that he gets all the way through on the outside of the track. Mm-hmm. He gets almost. He gets three fourths of the way through, and then on the very end of the exit of turn, turn four, there's contact. Almost precisely what happened in Brazil. Yep. And Albon spins on the outside, and Hamilton just goes on. Yeah. In many ways, this race was just Brazil 2.0. It really was. Um. um so. You know, I'll let, let you go first. Yeah, let, let's. I'm just going to take a stance, and I assume you're just going to take the opposite stance because if you're like me, you can take either stance on this freely. It really could go either way. Um, so to me, yes, Lewis had the lead coming into turn four, right? Downhill left hander, quick turn. Um, but Lewis needs to be aware that Albon, by the time he got through the apex, Albon was clearly ahead of Lewis, right? And Lewis took the racing line. Now, I know that, you know, on corner entry, if you have that lead, like, you basically can dictate your line to an extent, right? You get kind of, well, I have the line here. But Lewis went out full racing line, and I think it's a judgmental error on him, okay? Because even though, you know, I can pick my line because I'm in the lead— that doesn't give you the right to intentionally go into others or squeeze others off the track. It gives you the right to, oh, I outbraked and now I can, you know, swing through it how I like. You, he did not use that discretion of pushing Albon, of staying out of Albon. Now, Albon had a little bit of track he could have wiggled to the left to, right? But he was, to my mind, in what should have been a very safe place. Lewis had more than enough room. More than enough room. I, in fact, I would say that he wouldn't have really lost any time whatsoever if he didn't swing out. Yeah. But and I also think, though, that Lewis didn't want to mentally admit at the moment that Albon was that much quicker than him, and he wanted to race, which really shouldn't have been raised. He was swinging, right? He was already past you, and Lewis knew it. And... I think that I'm going to agree with you, actually. So a lot of people are saying Albon should have waited. And Albon knew he had more pace. He could have waited until turn five, six, or seven to make his move. Personally, I think that that's incorrect. I think that Botas had more pace than Lewis, the, like, except for in that you know in that weird mid-stint where Lewis was kind of catching up to him. Mm-hmm. I think that Botas was clearly kind of starting to get away and – if he hadn't done that right then, and the and the Mercedes had both ducked in, mm-hmm. he would have risked getting overtaken again at the end. Uh, so, Chain Bear put out a video today on it, by the way. Chain Bear F1, the YouTube channel. I know Tim and I are big fans. If you guys want to break down, go watch it there because he kind of talks about both sides here. So he does. Um, but I would say that for me, 
Lewis, I was talking to a, a friend of mine, Andy Davis, about this. And yes, Andy, you just got a shout out on the show. What, what? Congratulations. Um, but we, you know, we I agree. We both agreed that he Lewis is so precise that you cannot tell me that he didn't know that taking the full racing line yeah. wasn't forcing Albon off. If Max Verstappen did that, it'd be a different story. Correct. And I don't, I'm not a fan of the FIA punishing the outcome, not the driver and the penalty. Right. But I think they got it right this time because Lewis clearly was just going to run him off the track and he didn't care that he was ahead. Mm -hmm. He was very clearly ahead more than half, you know, at before the halfway point of the turn. So it was over. Mm -hmm. And Lewis decided to just kind of keep going. So, and I think that I'm disappointed. That, I was say I think that speaks though to the driver mentality of I. Do, and Chain Bear talks about this. This is where I'm stealing this take from Chain Bear. Like honestly, yeah. if you don't watch him, like honestly, or you, do, you, do you even watch F1? But uh, but anyway, but uh, he said you know like there's a a take like you're a driver. If you mentally just give up a position, that's that's like. That's like a baseball team just throwing a game at that point, right? Like that—that yep. that is the biggest no-no. You don't just give up; you fight, right? Um, and I think there's that, and I also think that you know, I—I I don't like them punishing the outcome, right? Which is exactly what happened. Which in is Canada what happened last year, right? And right. I don't like that. It, in fact, as much as I just argued that Lewis is totally is is in the fall, and I do believe that, and I do believe that the penalty was justified. Fit the crime, yeah. I can also hear that under a different set of circumstances and on a different day, I can go, it, I can hear the stewards going, eh, racing incident, and my reaction to if they just said racing incident would be, eh, yeah, probably. It's one of those wishy-washy things that everybody loves to argue about because it's so perfectly in the middle of racing incident and and actual malicious thing. Yeah. And I think, honestly, the drivers themselves know what that line is. <laughs> and that's they, why you see it happen so often. Yeah, and they could come out depending on their political clout at the time. Yes. Um, but I will say this. It set up the it set up a penalty, a five second time penalty. And Albon's race was screwed. Yeah, Albon's trash in like just your heart goes out to him, right? Because as much as we mentioned like Lando Norris and George Russell as the plucky fun kids, um, the only non plucky fun kid I would say is Charles Leclerc. Uh, because Alex Albon is just as fun and just as energetic and just as like congenial to watch as as Lando and George Russell. And he, I was, those three are just a freaking blast. They're they're a comedy show when they're together. But I was I was absolutely gutted right. to see that happen to him. He's he he drove a great race. He was doing everything right. He could have gone for the win. Yeah, and it was just a bummer to see. So so there's a five second time penalty. There's a five second time penalty in play. And the stage is set for a really crazy end to the race. Lando Norris is still floating up there in like fifth or so. I think he I think he was in I think he was in yeah, he was in fifth. Yes. Yep. And he forces his way past Sergio Perez. Right. Sergio Perez also at the same time was getting a five second time penalty. Because, because he was speeding in pit lane, right? He, was, yep. he did, got a speed. And, and the funny thing is, I texted the group chat, and I'm like, there is a penalty coming Sergio Perez's way because he was actually released into Lando Norris. I mm -hmm. thought it was going to be an unsafe release. Yeah. They didn't get him for that. They got him for the fact that he was speeding. I'm like, well, you know, I was right. Yeah. You know, it was, it was coming their way. It was, it was, it was, this race has so much to break down. But that immediately was a gut punch because if your pink Mercedes Ferrari Force India point Aston Martin, um, 
you look at, at that punishment for you know Hamilton, and you go, "That's me, baby." Podium, here we go. And an immediate, I mean, like what? It was like 30 seconds. It was It was less than a minute. <laughs> yeah, it was and less it was than like, a minute. It was oh, like, oh, no. <laughs> and, and then you're thinking, and all at the same time, Lando was putting the move on Sergio. Right. I think into turn seven or so. Mm-hmm. And he went on the inside line, and there there was contact, but that was a racing incident. So That really I, was yeah, a racing That really was. That was way too close. So um, he muscles his way past and then it was easily the best thing I've ever seen uh, to start a season off with, um, where I think all of us were in our respective areas jumping up and down because Lando Norris had the chance to get on the podium. Even La- even Lewis Hamilton fans are sitting there like, oh boy, let's go because yeah. because nobody dislikes Lando Norris, right? As if like you just everybody. There's no way you you are. At worst, fifty percent supportive of him on a zero to one hundred scale. And you can't li- dislike Jensen Button either. It's it's impossible to dislike right. those guys. But the thing is, is that who and a winner this week was whoever the F one TV producer was, the Sky producer, mm. because he put the gap of five seconds to Lewis Hamilton. And and they had constantly updating gaps. And yeah. this was like three laps left, I think, when this hit. Yeah. And you can just see Lando Norris starts clocking out laps that are fantastic but the final lap comes and it's what it was like 5.3 seconds or something like that or five what was it it was the gap to lewis was six seconds okay yeah on the white flag oh oh one right on the white flag and lewis is still fighting here because he knows that if that gap is big enough that mercedes is on the radio telling everybody the telling him the opposite of what's being told Lando Norris, you have to keep that gap wide open because you can still end up on the podium buddy yeah and they're trying to preserve a high point scorer for yep. the for the team so they it, they go into the last lap lando norris's has lando norris has 6 seconds and he has to get it down under 5 so he has to somehow take a mclaren and beat Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. In what is essentially just flying lap yeah. versus flying so lap. That's it. Was, it. <laughs> that, that was it. Yeah, it's it's it was mano y mano. And Lando was told to, by his engineer to keep pretty much, I think it was turns one, two, four, and then the entire sector three was like put the overtake button down, punch the overtake button. Yeah. And he put in one of the most beautiful laps I've ever seen. I I I was gonna say that was one of the most purely beautiful laps you will ever watch in racing. I would recommend Correct. just pulling up the YouTube video of it because F one's plastered it everywhere because yeah. it's just it's, perfection. It was perfection, but his fastest lap was a one hundred seven point four seven five, which tied Max Verstappen's fastest lap last year. Which, by the way, what a statement for how improved McLaren is. Exactly, it's a huge statement. Granted, he's gonna he killed that engine. Don't don't look for for no. Lando this weekend. No, no, just don't. Do, it's it's dead. They basically said, "What is okay? You know, we have mode eleven like Mercedes, right? We have you know setting. Here's <laughs> our quality mode. Yeah. Do it. Here's just our quality it. mode, but just turn the dials up more. Like you know how like you reach the end of a dial and you're just like, if I keep pushing hard enough, it like might get like an extra little thing out of it. Exactly. He was doing that. He was like, Grr, yeah, he break he, it into the next setting. Exactly. He was just mashing that button and. Uh, he he makes it at the end, and his engineer comes over and says, the gap to Lewis is 4.8. Yeah. You made it. And everybody goes nuts. I'm going nuts in my house. My dog's looking at me like, <laughs> what? It is 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. What are woke, you doing? I woke up my family by going, yes! 
Yeah, it was it was and it was that cool. And the, I know we I know we try and like stay neutral here, but again, like I'm not going yes because I like I try and stay neutral, but that is such a story that I don't care who you root for. Exactly. That is everybody in the F1 world said yes. Exactly. And it's just it was so cool. And I don't care about, you know, being unbiased or biased or whatever. I enjoy McLaren. I think they're a cool team right now. And but to me the coolest thing was when at the end of the lap, when Lando parked up the car and he went and he jumped into Zach Brown's arms. Yes. I think that'll be a cool, like, reclip that they show forever. Print that out hanging on your wall, McLaren fans. 100%. Uh, so, but it was extremely cool to see. Mm-hmm. Charles Leclerc drags that Ferrari to P2, which yep. was a really great drive on his part. Granted, he did get very lucky and he didn't have to do anything su- Herculean like let's, Lando did. Let's park it on Ferrari for a little bit. All right. Because okay. that's the other big story to me. All right. Is Ferrari. Are we a full hour into this breakdown? Uh, fi- oh, you almost hit it dead on. It's 5935. By the way. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's park it here for just a little bit, and then um, we'll kind of then go through other teams that had days, right? Which I think we've done for the most part I, already. I, I think we hit But everybody. Ferrari is yeah. the other big one, right? Uh, look, Charles Leclerc goes from P7 to P2, and this is, again, a statement on how talented Charles Leclerc is because the Ferrari, in terms of pace and quality, is a bleep box, but I don't know how that transfers, one, to race pace. Um, but two, he dragged it, man. Like it, even when Subvettel was racing, which he ended up not racing, um, which we haven't said yet. Uh, even when Vettel was not racing, he was not having the pace that Charles Leclerc did. No, and I think mentally Vettel might be a little buried. Um, uh, after this week, he did because what, what was what was the uh, lap he did that on? Um, it was early on. Yeah. He tried to go for a dive on signs, yes. which he had absolutely no business it was about doing. Half, it was right actually when everything started going south for the race. Yeah, and he he just he took a just a really stupid dive and he did Seb Vettel things where he, he spun. A spinala for the Formula Dank users. Thank you. Oh my god. Um, but uh <laughs> but yeah, no, he he spun the car and, and just kind of wallowed at the back the rest of the, the rest of the race. Yeah, it was just really defeatist. Um so 11 cars, if you're counting finish. Nicholas Latifi, the sole man without points to finish. That's just brutal. It is brutal. So but brutal. here's the thing, too, is his entire time at Williams, I have a feeling that 11 is going to be, until he moves on from Williams, his best career finish. Dude, it's 2020. All bets are up. <laughs> Nicholas Latifi is going to win next week with George Russell. Freaking Williams won two with the great 2020s going. It may be, but, I mean, it... <laughs> Who knows? And the thing, I think something I, I texted you about this before, um, that I think we, you know, we've hit all the teams um, and kind of the controversies and how crazy it was. But the thing I think I want to, I want to park it on is I was listening to another show that's made across the pond that I won't name who, mm-hmm. um, but it's a pretty big show, and they they were making this big deal out of how it's such a long year, it's a long season, blah 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 blah. The thing for me, the thing that I heard in the back of my head. Uh, was a song by yeah, Warren Zevon. Yeah, we did text about that. Yeah. Um, you you texted me a quote, and I want to pull it up so I can do a reading of sure. it. Sure. Because this is going to be our show title. All right? Cool. Uh, we're going to experiment with a new show title. Usually do episode number and then dash and then a phrase, right? Yeah. Um, I think this time we're just going to do no episode number, just Austria 2020, 
and then yeah. phrase, right? But this is the thing. Luke's going to read it, but this is what really hit me. Yeah. Um, Quote, you know, you put more value on every minute. I mean, I always thought I kind of did that. I really always enjoyed myself, but it's more valuable now. You're reminded to enjoy every sandwich, every minute of playing with the guys and being with the kids. You're reminded to enjoy everything more. So this episode's title is going to be, Tim, would you like to do the honors? It's going to be enjoy every sandwich. Enjoy every sandwich indeed. Because we, it's 2020. We don't, if 2020 has taught us anything, it's that tomorrow is not guaranteed. Right. You get, you do not get a right to that. There so, is no guarantee that F1 finishes the season Period. There's no guarantee that F1 even races on Sunday. Right. There's no. We don't know if we're going to get there. This could flare up again, and everything goes wrong. Mm-hmm. So, guys, enjoy every sandwich. Yeah, and, and let's enjoy. Let's enjoy this moment. And before I want to get, in, and before we get into the news, because we do have a little more news to hit here, um, I I do want to say too that I enjoyed this race better than I enjoyed. Brazil. And I know Brazil was literally just voted race of the decade, yeah. bull hockey. But uh, because look, it's a great race. But no, no, Canada, I, I agree yeah. with you. Okay. I'm, I'm just like, decade, yeah. eh, last like two or three years, sure. But, yeah. Um, uh. Because you enjoyed that sandwich, right? Because there's there's no live sports. We come back and we watch one of the greatest races. This is going to end up being, in my opinion, um, I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't make such a definitive statement with rules on the way, right? But this is going to end up being like a top three race of this decade. Top five race, probably. Definitely for me. Yeah. Um, um, I think from each fan's perspective, yeah. it's going to be like it's such a welcomed right. sight. And that's what it was, was you have to enjoy the morsel because we've gone 200 and some odd days without this. And to come back in such a fashion, even during the downtimes between, you know, Kevin Magnuson and Romain Grosjean, uh, flaring up those middle twenty five laps, which right, yeah, big old grin across the face every second. It was a magical time to be not just a Formula One fan, not just a motorsports fan, but just like a human. Good time to be alive. It is. Everybody had a good time. We were treated to a really great show, and you know what? That might be all we get, and that's okay. Yeah, that's okay because it was a really great race. So I love hats that off to. I love that sandwich too. It was excellent. So. um yeah, we'll uh, we'll park it there for the race. Uh, they have. I don't even think we'll preview next weekend. Same track. It's the same track. It's the same, same thing. It's the GP of Styria, which is the state that that the town is in. So yeah. same <laughs> F one time, same F one channel. So we're gonna check it out yeah. again next weekend. Tune in. We're gonna see a lot more failures uh, this weekend. Yeah, remember because everybody's stuff is clappered. Yeah, as I was gonna say, remember that if you broke apart and you don't have, you either you either repair or. Put a new one in because you what you brought to the track, you brought to the track hard stop. Yep. That's it. Um, so let's get into the news. Tim. Uh-oh. Okay. Tim, I have I have an announcement. And okay. it's going to be Fernando Watch. Oh, we already did that. Oh no. All right. Well, I guess we'll just go on to the next news. Yeah, we'll we'll park it here for a second and then we'll come back after the after the ad break. Yeah. The Formation Lap with Luke and Tim. Tim, you know, we just came back from break, and I wanted to address something with you. Um, when when I threw to oh, Fernando this... watch earlier, yeah. and, and I said we had already called, you know, I said we would already said something about it. You know, you didn't try and lift my spirits. And, and as a friend, um, I'm, a little, I'm a little offended by that, so I just I, I wanted to get that out in the open. 
Okay. So we can have like an open dialogue and we can sure. really repair this friendship here. Sure. And I want you to know that from the bottom of my heart, I don't care. I don't even give a little shit. Not even a little one. <laughs> Are you, I, I don't know how to I take hate that. For, I hate Fernando that much. <laughs> I don't I don't know the how to take that. Feelings be like, damned. Friendships be damned. I, I don't care. I mean, I feel like from this moment now, I know you that much better. Um, so Good. I feel like we can grow Good. as humans. But, um, okay. but I just would like you to be a little more attentive in, in, in the future uh, to that to that happening. Hey, Ferrari! <laughs> Speaking of bad things, Ferrari woes have continued, and we just listed off how terrible their GP has uh, gone. So, yeah. Um, yeah. The updates that they were supposed to be bringing to the Hungaro ring, they're moving up a week. To, to this week. To this week. Yeah. It's not going to go well. I don't think so either because when you rush an upgrade, um, things tend to go bang. The idea of an upgrade is to get it as per, is to hone down on perfection. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. When you rush it, no. And also introducing cars, parts that your car wasn't exactly designed for. Ooh. Yeah. yeah the second mm, week. That's ooh, not. Ooh, not that's great. not great. And then Mattia Bonato received praise. From the Ferrari CEO saying, we are at the start of a new cycle with a long-term plan. Any setbacks will certainly not change our chosen but, course. But, and I have every confidence in Mattia and the team in addressing our shortcomings. I'm sorry, Luke, you had a question. Okay, first off. And you did actually have one that yeah, day. Yeah, okay, let, me, let me start here. Um, did, did old Italian Harry Potter just say... No, it wasn't old Italian Harry Potter. It was, it was his, his boss. boss. Yeah. That just said that we're at the start of a new cycle quote-unquote, in terms of that car. How is this the start? This is the same car that you had last year and also the same car you will have next year, okay? So I'm like, you can't see me, but I'm like spread eagle across. This is the middle of the cycle of this exact car. You're in year two of three. I think he added... Uh, I'm sorry. I, I think I think something here in a second. He added, it's clear that we have to improve on all fronts. The only solution is to react. And I'm pleased with the immediate reaction and the work that Mattia and all his team are putting in at every level. I think Mattia Bonato is about to get sacked. Oh. When you get a vote of confidence from the CEO, typically means you're about to go bye-bye. Oh. You had a question? This is... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, ladies okay, and gentlemen. Okay, okay, okay. We haven't actually addressed this on the podcast before, so no. this is your reward for getting through literally an hour at this point. Um, I broke my arm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, well, I'm gee, doing Luke. all of this with one uh, with with a wing down, and my arm is what constantly you, swelling. I'll get into that. What did you break that. your arm for? Uh, what'd, you, what'd you go and do that for? That's what I want to know. Well, you know, I just was like, you know what I need is to look cooler. And what looks cooler than, like, a dude who's just like, nah, I'm not fine. I'm fine. I'm not in pain, right? So I keep having to lift my arm because it, like, reduces swelling a little bit. Like, I can feel the blood go away from where my arms broke out of my cast, and it makes my cast a little more comfortable. So I kind of have to just, you know. He holds his arm up like he has a question. Yeah. And he is the board op uh, on I, occasion. I'm, I'm producing, actually. You're producing. Uh, yeah, I'm produ I've been producing the fast lane for the past week and a half, which is our, like, number one rated show in here, here in St. Louis. Just you know, a little humble brag, but uh, well, yeah, okay, um, they're big fella. But I, yeah, of... I've had to, I've had to lift my hand every once in a while. And Brad Thompson, who is stute listeners from the Midwest, may may remember, is a former Cardinal. He I, is. I He's mention, a guy he, that gave up home runs a lot. Yeah, um, but also World Series champ, two thousand six, baby. What, what? Anyway, but uh, every time I do that, he will stop on air 
and he does this intentionally because this is who BT is. He will stop on air and just go, oh, Luke, you had a question. And I'll have to turn my mic on and go, damn it, Brad. <laughs> and so I figured, why not continue that on our show? Because uh-huh. I can't go anywhere and not get bullied about this. Here, oh, bullied. While, while we're getting lightly teased. While we're on the subject, all right, <laughs> before we get back to terrible Ferrari news, I just wanted to say I was test- uh, texting um, a friend of mine, and she is the team trainer at SIUB Hockey, which I've mentioned before. My winter job uh, alongside here is to go do play-by-play for a college hockey team. Hashtag humble break. It's not a humble. It's not exactly the most glamorous digs, but I love. I'm in love with the sport, and the guys are awesome. And if you can embed yourself in a team like that, it's just a really rewarding thing to do. And also, I get to practice, you know, a, a talent that I care very much about, which is play by play. Anyway, so I was texting her, and she's the team trainer, so she sees all sorts of broken bones. She asked me like, "Hey, what kind of bone break is it?" And I said, "It's this kind of break. It's on the radius, which is the bone." And she goes, "Oh, just so you know, that's a uh, injury commonly found in children." and i said gee i go gee reese you really sure know how to make a guy feel special over here (laughs) and she texts back she goes you're doing fine with a little like emoji that's like blowing a freaking party hat and like a little noisemaker yeah i'm sorry i just i i really like my waveform right there (laughs) it it was impressive um (laughs) So, yeah, this, so this uh, is this is what you get when you literally. try and talk to hockey people is you get chirped constantly. You go to work, you get chirped constantly. I go to I go to Gateway, I go to Worldwide Technology Raceway and they're like, oh, you're 25 years old and you were skateboarding? Oh, about seven years too late for that, dude. <laughs> well, Luke, here's the thing. You're gonna get your balls busted about a broken arm. For, for the next eight weeks, I, here's the thing, is, is if you know me, I already get my balls busted 24-7. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> It's my personality it's to give and take the ball busting. Oh. Uh, please don't cut that up like we cut our startup because I, anyway. Um, so but yeah, so so anyway, Ferrari, Ferrari, Ferrari. So yeah, I think I think I'm gonna leave the last bit off because we could probably lawyer a little bit and say that maybe they weren't cheating last year. Maybe they were operating outside the nay, the letter of the rules and they didn't know. And then the FIA caught them, and you're only not you're che- not cheating until you're caught. So. I would say that it does gen- genuinely look like you have a question. But- Shut up. My arm just went back up because if I leave it down too long, again, it swells up and it hurts. Sorry, I apologize. I'll try not to laugh. Um, but I would say uh, I'm just going to leave that on the table. I don't know that I want to get into that tonight because yeah, we'll, we've, we've gone in and there's a bigger we'll, story that we need to talk about. We'll get about. into that in, in a break between races because we'll be busy in the next <laughs> Yeah. Weeks. Um, um, let's get into uh, real quick. Yeah, NASCAR. real quick. Jimmy Johnson, uh, yes, that's seven-time champion, uh, has been diagnosed uh, with COVID nineteen, and he I, he's not old enough to be at risk, but he is not a young gun by any means. Right? No, so he's going to he's sidelined for now. He, I I I would be obviously you worry, right? And I'm not like gravely worried, but I'm worried in the same way like if somebody like my dad's age got got sick where it's like, okay, you're old enough to where you really could do something. And COVID has a habit of like affecting the way you breathe. And it when when you drive, that's very important. Um, especially, you know, in the hot heat NASCAR drivers have. This is going to keep him out. He was going to do an IndyCar test uh for the Grand Prix, the GMR Grand Prix. 
um, in Indianapolis, which was this weekend. Uh, which, by the way, Scott Dixon won. Uh, it was a very, it was probably the most dull race this weekend, but that's how it is when Scott Dixon wins, and you have to appreciate greatness. I wanted to touch on that, um, but uh, I don't know. It, there's a outside possibility one it could affect his driving in the future. We haven't seen this from athletes yet, to where somebody's had that change their ability yet. But it has changed his plans because he can't practice with IndyCar, right? And if he can't practice with IndyCar now, with the Indy 500 being a month and change away, um, which, wow, um, will that affect his ability to drive if he can't get a test now? And then also, if he's already had it, how fearful is he of going back in public? Do we know if you can get it a second time or not? Tim, you're probably more educated on this than me. Can you get it a second time or do we not know? I don't know. I, I don't know what the protocol is. Right. So it's not the test getting a, de- a test on the second time. It's it's the protocol as to what they'll want. Right. So, so um, yeah, this is obviously big news. Uh, Jimmy Johnson is one of the best drivers in the world today um, of, of his time, right? Like, you yeah. talk about uh, you. he is a legend of the sport, and he was he is going to be successful in a D-car, but this obviously changes his plan. So that's uh, that's rough. Um, we have a little excitement going down the system, um, and so you typed this one out. Yeah, I yeah. did, yeah. So I was kind of excited by the F2 race. Uh, Chinese driver uh, Guan Yu Zhou uh, put in a blistering uh, lap. And to, for everybody to know, F2 is a spec series, so everybody has pretty much the same stuff. Yeah. Um, you have different sponsors, and everybody can kind of get around more comfortably if you have more money. But everybody has the same car. Um, Guan Yu Zhou destroyed the field. He's a uh, Renault development driver. He uh, beat the rest of the field by almost half a second, mm-hmm. which is a massive bludgeoning in F2. Um, so that was kind of awesome. He did kind of uh, have a bad race where he had mechanical issues and he was depressed about it afterward, but uh, heads up for him. Uh, he will be an exciting name uh, moving forward. Yep. Um, Jack Aiken will make his F1 debut in FP1 in George Russell's uh, Williams this Friday, so that's good for him. He's a kind of a heralded talent coming through. He was sacked by the Renault development team, but he's still a very good driver. And Mick Schumacher was decidedly slow this week, um, as he is every week. Maybe he needs another magic car. Luke, is Mick Schumacher Michael's son or Ralph's nephew? I'll ask you a question in, uh, in response. Does it matter? Yes. He's going to get an F1 seat anyway. He doesn't have enough points. He, I don't think he's he's not getting there this year. Not this year, but he'll end up in one. Yeah, it'll be a back marker, but it won't be and it won't be a Ferrari, but um Ferrari powered, sure. Yeah. Um but the big story this week. The big story this week, um politics once again crept into motor sports. So, uh, on Tuesday morning, uh, the president of the United States randomly tweeted. And I mean, this is random because it was Tuesday morning, which is like, it just, that's just the timing. Didn't well, the time, sense. and, it, and like, there was no context. There's no context. And also, this Bubba Wallace news story, okay, has been dead news for, I don't want to say dead news, but like, it was a, it was a there's complete been, story. There's been no developments. The Salt. story is complete. Happy ending, believe Resolved, it or not. Right, and everybody yeah. was good. Um, he tweeted, has at Bubba Wallace apologized to all of those great NASCAR drivers and officials who came to his aid, stood by his side, and were willing to sacrifice everything for him, only to find out that the whole thing was another capital hoax. Caps. That and flag decision has caused lowest ratings ever, which uh, let me let me break this down one by one, shall I? Uh, we'll go in reverse order. Lowest ratings ever. No. 
I don't have the numbers in front of me, but NASCAR is doing pretty okay with the ratings, let me tell you right now. Uh, people the ratings at, are up. Yeah, people at the station, Brandon Kiley, producer of BK, uh, producer of uh, Ribs and BK, also the star, uh, well, co-host of Ribs and BK, right? Host of Ribs and BK, is watching NASCAR every Sunday, right? He's not hooked, but he's like, I'm watching it because it's live sports. I couldn't get him to convince him to get up at 8 a.m. for F1, but... We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, okay, so let's see. Uh, the flag decision, um, there's no such bad thing as PR, something that uh, Donald Trump should know. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, uh, the, again, ratings are f- pretty spectacular. Um, yeah, so I don't... He doesn't know what he's yeah. going on about, um, and it's... It's not... Uh, okay, again, not a hoax. You, you and I looked at the picture. It's easily accessible the, online. The FBI released it. Right. NASCAR released it. It was a noose. Well, and even if it wasn't technically a noose, right, damn sure looked close enough to where if you're receiving death threats already, which he was, Bubba right. Wallace, that you report that ish. And the good news is that they had clear evidence that it was there a long time. It wasn't just something that, uh, to me, a hoax would be if someone, Bubba Wallace himself or someone associated with him, yeah. put that up. Yeah, they, no had, one did. they had evidence. Right, they had right. evidence that it was clearly back when, and Richard Petty's team, he's, he's still pissed off about it. Yeah. So the, this was not called for in Who, any way. By the way, I know Bubba Wallace has a certain political alignment anointed to him, right? Like, let's say Bubba Wallace, like, if I'm in the mind of Donald Trump, right, Bubba Wallace represents, you know, liberal this, that, right? Richard Petty is pissed off, right? Now, I'm not going to pretend to know which way Richard Petty swings, but Richard Petty is a revered person in the South uh, among white voter age people in the South, all right? Mm-hmm. That yeah. is, he is... He's a hero. He is, all right? Yeah, so... To insinuate that Bubba Wallace is hoaxing would insinuate that Richard Petty is hoaxing, which you might as well have said something about Dale Earnhardt at that point. Yeah. Who, by the way, uh, Dale Earnhardt is not a racist. We talked about that last week. Dale we Earnhardt did. helped Willie T. Ribb break into the scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He but, he told drivers. Anyway. Uh, okay. So let's yeah, continue so, going back. All but right. The, but the president said, you know, has he apologized all for for a hoax? Everyone came to his aid willingly. Yeah, that's the, the other thing, NASCAR too. NASCAR dealt with it appropriately. Yeah. And the FBI said it was a legitimate case, came and solved it, and said, no, this is, there's enough evidence to prove that it wasn't a hate crime. Everybody was good. So there's no reason for this tweet. Right. Whatsoever. The other thing is, is let's go uh, back more, okay? Um, apologize to all those great NASCAR drivers, officials, blah, 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 and sacrificed everything for him. Um Look, here, I am not one for political grandstanding, right? Because I think that when you politically grandstand something, you sacrifice nothing. Right. Okay? Um, So I just want to, off on a tangent here, um, pick random NASCAR driver X who is not named Bubba Wallace. Dude did not sacrifice everything to go stand with Bubba Wallace. It was a fantastic gesture. It was a very uplifting moment. But Kevin Harvick, say, did not sacrifice everything. Anything by going and pushing Kevin, you know, Bubba Wallace's car to the front. Right. It makes it seem like, you know, these guys are just, oh, Bubba, let me help. No, that's not what happened. And again, too, um, the NASCAR drivers have the response, which I consider this as, as our happy ending, right? 
The response from NASCAR drivers has been phenomenal. We'll get into that in just a second. But first, let's go to uh, Bubba Wallace's but statement. Bubba Wallace issued uh, a statement to his younger fans um, because he's taking his role in the limelight very seriously and he's taking his responsibility to young people as an example for them very seriously. Mm-hmm. I'd, I dare say more so than the president. Um, he says, you will always have people testing you, seeing if they can knock you off your pedestal. I encourage you to keep your head held high and walk proudly on the path you've chosen. Never let anybody tell you you can't do something. He then offered more advice, saying, always deal with the hate uh, being thrown your way with love. Love over hate every day. Love should come naturally as people are taught to hate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then there was an outpouring of support again for Bubba Wallace. Right. So NASCAR drivers almost everywhere just came out and uh Yeah. yeah were was, like Bubba's it, Bubba's our boy, man. Like everybody I don't right. know of anybody like, who outside rookie driver of, yeah, Tyler ahead, Reddick. Yeah. yeah, he said, We don't need an apology. We did what was right and we will do just fine without your support. He did delete that tweet later, but that was his response. And that's the overall thing. Jimmy Johnson posted a uh, media a, a thing on social media with him and Bubba saying, I stand with Bubba. Uh, uh, Kaylee McEnany uh, came out and said she claimed the president felt the Bubba owed at least something, noting the FBI, as I noted, concluded that this was not a hate crime. And he believes it would go a long way if Bubba came out and acknowledged that as well. Trouble is, he did. Yeah, uh, he, she he, apparently missed when Bubba issued a statement immediately following the conclusion from the FBI's findings where he said that he was relieved that it wasn't what he thought it was, a direct message to him, and thanked the FBI for their swift action in investigating. Um, but we're sure that's an honest mistake from Kaylee. Um, yeah, um, here's the thing, too, is Bubba made a statement, right? And also, at this point, again, it's a dead news story, guys. Like, it's done. Um, so let's uh, and end on the, on one of the more positive notes. Bubba received a sponsorship out of this. Well, NASCAR also he received a sponsorship, mm-hmm. and then NASCAR also put out an official statement rebuking the president, saying, yeah. "We are proud to have Bubba Wallace in the NASCAR family, and we commend his courage and leadership." NASCAR continues to stand tall with Bubba, our competitors, and everyone who makes our sport welcoming and inclusive for all racing fans. And then, yes, there is there was the start of. An impressive, this, what will be an impressive amount of This is, I think, actually the biggest part of this story, dare I say. More than the president's tweet, because if you want to find a, a terrible take on Twitter from the president or otherwise, honestly, uh, you just go there <laughs> for any given day. Um, Beats by Dre, who is yeah. owned by Apple, so by the way, they take sponsorships very seriously. Beats by Dre announced their new sponsorship deal with Bubba Wallace. And the last year, any... NASCAR driver getting even close to a deal with Beats by Dre is impossible. Yeah. IndyCar driver, F1 driver even. Does Lewis have a deal? I don't think Lewis— With Bose, he does. With Bose, okay. But you know who— Beats by Dre, I don't even think they would have sniffed out Lewis Hamilton, honestly. Probably not. Uh, Beats by Dre is a very influential sponsorship, not just in terms of money, because Bubba is going to get— Paid and he's going to get fantastic equipment because he drives the wheel off of a, a car that belongs in the midfield right now. Yeah. Um, but Beats by Dre, um, in the way that they market to the African American community, right? They very really do focus on that, and they also focus on younger, um, younger, you know, not just African Americans but uh, white kids or Asian kids or Hispanic kids because um, a lot of that black culture. Um, that surrounds the Beats by Dre image, the hip-hop world, um, is followed by these young, you know, kids, right? Yeah. That is very influential on these kids and these African-Americans and whoever is in that Beats by Dre demographic. 
that is super influential on what they do, right? Who yeah. do you see having beats by Dre right now? Uh, Russell Wilson is notorious, right? LeBron. LeBron. Uh, I can't. I don't pay enough attention to the NBA, but a couple NBA guys. You can rest assured. Kevin Durant. Yeah. Uh, Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Um, Some of the most influential athletes. Yep. On our culture as a nation, have yep. a Beats by Dre sponsorship, and I think honestly, this tweet, this tweet by Trump is going to inadvertently cause a huge tick in NASCAR, more than it's already seeing. Why? Because there are kids out there, there are African Americans out there, there are you know, they're fans, Caucasians out there, they're people that need who are a going example. in and seeing who is this Bubba Wallace guy. And I want to watch what he does. Absolutely. And uh, Beast by Dre actually announced it three days early. Yep. And they said they did it so that hate didn't win the day. Yeah. So um, good on them. Donald, stick to politics. Stay out of my sports. Yeah, dude, for real, right? Seriously, it, don't, I, don't, I, don't traipse in here anymore. I don't need you in here. I don't. I don't wanna, need anybody in here. Don't, don't bring politics into this. I don't want to sound like because when I say now, that, when I, I say, say to keep politics out of sports, right. I don't want to sound like the crowd who says that too much. <laughs> I don't care if the athletes have a political stance. Go for it. But, this is your platform. Yeah. This isn't someone else's platform. Right. Whoever is coming in here is trying to hijack mm-hmm. this for their own gain, and I think that's wrong. One of the reasons that politics and sports are a little oil and water to me, and I'm okay with athletes having their stance, right, is for a long time, like, injustice makes me angry. And I, I, I turn on the news and I get angry and I and I get online and I get angry at the injustice or the this and the that's it's being shared everywhere. And the one place where, you know, I have that is not angry most of the time is sports. So yo, dude, I'm tired of being angry about sports. So yeah. unless uh, unless there's an exceptional circumstance, um do you, I, do you want to do you want to retire the Bubba Wallace news segment unless there's an exceptional circumstance like this? Yeah, I yeah. mean let's retire it. I it, it's it's a it's a done deal. It's a done story. Yeah, it's a resolved so, story and it had a happy resolution. I'm fine with that. So but I would say I'm cool if if an athlete or an owner has gotten to the point where they need to make a political stand. Yeah, go for it. Go for You've it. earned the right to be in that arena. You can say whatever you want. Right, politicians. Stay out of sports. Stay out of sports. Don't yeah. I, I? I don't. It's when sports become the battleground right. is what is what may, wears me out. Um, so we have one last order of business before we end the thing, and that is our awards. We didn't write down any nominations, so I'm just going to throw out some nominations for. It's time for Connor Daly's Yikes of the Week. Yikes. Ah, it's time for the Connor Daly Yikes of the Week Award. Uh, Tim, I have a couple suggestions. We're going to stick to F1 for this. So let's. Oh, are we? Well, uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, Come on. I mean, it's too big. Uh, that is, but I. He isn't retired either. Um, no, this is, we're retiring after, after this show. Yeah, can we nominate that tweet? I think we nominate that tweet. Yeah, because the tweet I think the tweet not, wins. Yeah, the tweet backfired hard enough that people are going to go watch Bubba Wallace more than ever, which they should because he's a phenomenal driver. So And the thing is is that it was so spiteful and it was so wrong. Yeah, it was just factually wrong in every single not I don't want to say sentence because I think it was only one or two sentences, but it was wrong in every single like Yeah, I'd say speech yeah. like pattern, like every single 
terror of words. It was, yeah, it was, it was an offensive piece of English. Uh, so I would say that given the nature of that tweet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's our Yikes of the Week. Yikes of the Week. Congratulations to President Donald J. Trump for being our Yikes of the Week. That's a first. But that's congratulations first. to Bubba Wallace on a mountain of money that's coming your way. Would you believe not the first time we've had a politician as the Yikes of the Week? There is one lady from Miami. As we look, yeah, the one lady from Miami is just a lady, but we also have the city of Miami Gardens <laughs> we do. up there. It's not the first time we've taken the piss out of politicians. <laughs> no. We are not big fans. Including uh, the missing episode 34. <laughs> uh, so, so how about we end on our People's Champion! That had to hurt your hand. I, yeah, I that mean. That reverberated through your whole body. What There's I did no was I hit hand. my hand, and that, ah, in oh, Peoples was actually go. me screaming in pain. There, there it is. <laughs> uh, Luke, I think there's only one People's Champion this week. Uh, okay. Um, now, I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to take a stab mentally. I'm going to write it down here. Okay, and uh, I am going to write that down, and you're going to say who it is. It'd be my boy Lando. I wrote down Lando, baby, but I put a four after the L. (laughs) And I'll tell you why. That young man gave us the thrill of the year. Thrill, absolutely. It It was an absolutely perfect end to a thrilling race, and he banged in an out of your mind lap that I'll I'll remember for years. Absolutely. So I think he's the I think he's the people's champ this week. He decided to take the whole world on his little shoulders and give us a ride. Absolutely. Um I have one other thing I want to mention, but that's such a nice note to end on, but I've already ruined it. Tim, <laughs> Tim, I'm looking at our wall of shame, and I three, see three Formula One teams. Do you feel like putting one of them on probation? I'm thinking specifically the team I think right, should right under the wall of shame. I yes. think Williams is on probation. I do, too. Next week, if they finish double DNF, they finish 1920, they go back onto the wall of shame. If they put up a performance that I would say is worthy of competing in the backfield. 100%. As long as they compete, they're off our wall of shame. I love it. And on that bombshell, on that absolute shocker, boom, peace.